Welcome to I Am My Passion Project, a Woman House production. I'm Lorna Nickel. I'm an artist, writer, graphic designer, thinker, a Renaissance woman, if you will. This podcast is a feminist platform to discuss sexism, health, and wellness, redefining beauty, and healing from betrayal trauma. Each season has a theme. The theme for season two is women redesigning the world as a better and safer place for women. And here's the cool thing about the fight for gender equality, men can help us with this. And when we all come up with solutions together, it makes a better world for everyone. So grab a big old mug of fight the patriarchy tea, settle into your woman house, and let's start reimagining a world where women are made visible and empowered to become their own passion projects. I have a couple of announcements to make before we start this episode. The first is that it has a trigger warning, even though it is a holiday movie that is going to be reviewed in this episode. The trigger warning is for sexually explicit language and descriptions of scenes in the movie. The second announcement is that I am fully aware that the sound quality of this episode is total crap. And that has to do with the fact that I just moved to Tucson. And for some reason, the apartment that I live in just had the worst Wi-Fi in the future episodes you'll hear. Uh, it, It definitely gets a lot better. But this episode was just... a a big struggle for me. So I actually had to re-record parts of it and use a lot of effects to try and remedy some of the dropping out of voices and stuff. So I'm hoping you can get past that because I really, I didn't want to have to re-record this because I feel like the conversations that we had about Love Actually are just so juicy and I didn't want to lose any of those in, or the energy in re-recording the whole entire episode. So So please bear with the sound quality issues. And that is all. (laughs) I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to 50 Shades of Sexism with me and Darina Nuray. And as promised, we will be diving right back into Love Actually, exactly where we left you hanging in part one. So let's grab that feminist lens and see what else needs to be dissected in Love Actually. Let's talk about the weight situation. The situation where they are commenting um, about bodies. Yeah. And this starts with the Hugh Grant story where the woman he's attracted to, Natalie, comes into his office and talks about how, I can't remember if it's her family or a friend, how she has fat thighs. Yeah. And she actually says that she's like, oh, you know, I've been told I have fat thighs and the secretary calls her fat. Yeah. The other secretary calls her fat and there's, there's innuendo about her being fat several times in the movie. And she's not, she's not at all. She's She's average. She's average. And, and that reminds me, it's this writer, director, fella who did the movie, <laughs> Richard Curtis, who's also responsible for bringing us Bridget Jones's diary. Yeah, Bridget Jones is obsessed with her weight through the whole movie. 
oh please she's considered fat she's like she's oh oh yeah just overweight like how could she even get a man she's so disgusting right so this is the same the same guy who's working on these movies who um does not like fat ladies they're not okay so that's like the first the first mention of women having issues being fat and then the other one takes place when colin firth goes back to france and tries to find his love's apartment and finally finds it and the dad and the whole family are was it right like the dad and the family or the dad's there and then um, her sister is there the sister comes to the door she's clearly you know has more weight on her than his dream woman and the father tries to pawn the sister off onto this man this total stranger at the door trying to get him to marry her because she's fat and there's no way and there's no way she could be loved or married by anyone else because of the way she looks that i was like i'm sorry in what world is this a charming movie in what world is this charming i don't know yeah that's another element that is not it's a it's a fatism issue yeah which is not it's kind of tied to feminism so that's why i'm throwing it in there (laughs) there's another thing with the the hugh grant you know when he first moves into the you know 10 downing street and he's he's the new prime minister and um (laughs) i didn't remember that he meets the staff and he's talking to the housekeeper and he says to the housekeeper oh it'll be much easier to keep up with i don't have a scary wife yeah you know because usually a man of his position has already you know a wife and kids and they Mm. move in and Mm -hmm. like a lot going on so he says it's just me i don't have a scary wife so like are all wives scary or just prime minister's wives are scary or like what 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 yeah (laughs) oh yes okay so let's move on to Mm, Martin Freeman and Joanna Page. That is the couple who they're stand-ins oh for goodness. movie stars in in movies. And so they're on set of a movie that is not told to us what it is, but uh, by watching what they are being asked to do, definitely looks like a porn set. And so it opens with them dry humping. Yes. <laughs> and they're kind of like lightly chatting with each other like it's nothing and we're supposed to watch this and think that it's funny this is supposed to be like a comic relief for us and it's charming it's funny and this is supposed to be funny and charming yeah progresses like that's kind of like the entree into what ends up being a lot more nudity and so the second time we see them she's up against a wall and she he's behind her apparently going to be having maybe anal sex, some kind of sex like that. And the helper person on the set asked her to take her top off because they're probably trying to get the lighting right. And so he is asked to put his hands on her breasts and they are still trying to have like a nonchalant sort of conversation, which again is supposed to be charming and funny. Okay. And so that's the second time that we see them. And then the next time we see them, because rule of thirds, right? The next time we see them, he is sitting on the bed and she is on top 
top of him and they are now both totally naked but we don't see his part his male genitalia we again see her full body and her breasts and they're having sex on the bed supposedly and then we see her sitting on top of him and Mm -hmm. this was very triggering for me and very problematic in a lot of different areas and one of the main things for me is because the abuse that happens in pornography is so extensive that I don't know really how you can joke about it in a situation like that. And I've heard from an expert in this area who knows women who have been in prostitution. I say prostitution because that's what it really is. It's filmed prostitution. And, well, I won't go into detail here, but I will say that these women go through painful procedures just so they can do this performative sex for male enjoyment. And so for me watching this, it was not funny. It was not charming. It was just like another woman who was doing things for men and for the male gaze. I don't know how you felt about it. Completely. You know, the, the, the making light of it was so icky, you know, they're just there to, so the, the lighting guys can set the lights and do whatever. And it's just, and they're just having this like fun little talk and getting to know each other. And, oh, you know, it's okay if I put my hands here and and like, as if it's so cute Mm -hmm. and, you know, this is just what we do. And then totally making light of what was actually the purpose of them being there, which was a porn film production. It's very off-putting and icky. And and again, the woman gets completely naked. You see her breasts in the film mm-hmm. and everything. And, uh, you know, of course, you don't, the men don't have to do that. That was, I think, the only nudity in the movie. The other things were just references to sex and sexual acts. Yeah. And one of those ends up being the prime minister yeah. who says... <laughs> who do I have to screw around here yeah. to get a cup of of tea and a yeah. biscuit? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I say that all the time when I go to work. Who do I have to screw around here to get a cup of coffee? Yeah, really. <laughs> who says that? I don't know. Um, where's their HR department? <laughs> the other male gazy thing that's so gross is, you know, Alan Rickman, who's the head boss. There's two things that go on with Alan Rickman's office that, you know, there's the woman, (sighs) Mia, is that her name? Who is chasing him. Like, I mean, there's parts where she's sitting in front of him with her legs and apart and and like, I'm here for you, baby, you know? And then the very, very chummy, very close relationship he has with Laura Linney in an office situation where he's, it just Mm. doesn't. Yeah feel real at all it's like why are you all up in her business she's like works for you and Mm -hmm. in a design firm and her whole oh my gosh her whole it's so annoying it's like she no life of her own because i mean yeah okay she's got a brother who has issues that she wants to take care for him but completely sacrifices her own life for him and then she's pining after this guy and it's like this whole like just stand up and do life the way you want to do life you know like just shut up already (laughs) you did remind me that there there was another um nudity scene with her yeah that's true 
with her and with Laura Linney and the guy she liked, remember? Mm-hmm. And she again takes her top off. So we see her with topless and then the guy has just his underwear on. But they don't actually have sex because she doesn't because she has to go and take care of who? Yeah. A man, her brother. Yeah. So the all of the women are taking care of all of the men in various ways. So great. Yeah. Because even Alan Rickman's wife, who is Emma Thompson, my I wish I could be best friends with her and live next door. I love her so much. But in this, it's like she's the mousy wife who's just there to raise the children, which is fine. If women choose to be at home and take care of children, that's I'm not against that at all. Right. But in this movie, yeah. <laughs> it just creates another uh, you know, where she's, she's obsolete now. She's, you know, she, he, his, his eye is wandering to the younger woman who spreads her legs at her desk for him. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she's a has-been, you know, she's just too familiar and too apparently boring who likes boring things like Joni Mitchell, you know. <laughs> and one of the things for me was their, regarding their relationship is when they were at their house and getting ready for a Christmas party. And she was trying to pick out dolls to give presents. And she says, what doll, what doll should we give? I can't remember the names of the the girl children. Mm -hmm. What doll should we give them? The one that looks like a dominatrix or the one that looks like a transvestite. And she holds them up. Okay, but they're they're mm-hmm. not technically Barbie. They don't say Barbie on them, but that is what the dolls look like. They yeah. look like Barbie dolls. They're supposed to be Barbie. But- they're supposed to be Barbie dolls. One of them is clearly like a Ken doll dressed in feminine clothes. And then the other one really does look like a, a dominatrix. So I'm sure the costume party had, <laughs> co- costume department had so much fun with that. Um, but yeah. the thing that's problematic with, for me about that is that first of all, that is having dolls that uh, represent women and in a certain sexual manner just goes to propagate more of the stereotype and teaching girls from a young age that this, these are the roles that they can choose. This is, this is the role that they're kind of expected to go into. And like Gail Dines talks about with our, our young culture right now, like their choice is really to be fuckable or invisible. And the dolls say, really, you have one choice, and that's to be fuckable. Yeah. And these are dolls that you can play with when while you pretend that when you grow up that you can be these characters. So that that's the first issue that I have with these um dolls that she pops out and decides she's trying to decide what to give to the the young girls the other issue is that so they've dressed these dolls up in sexual outfits and unfortunately is a market online for sex dolls that look like little girls and they are being sold on places like etsy and so that reminded me of that whole just super problematic area of trying to sexualize children and make them into objects for male pleasure that i have a problem with Mm -hmm. Yeah, because somebody had to think of, let's create something that's like a Barbie doll, which is for girls, quote unquote. And one of them is a 
dominatrix and one's a transvestite but who thinks of shit like this <laughs> yeah i don't know men men think of shit like that that's who i feel like there's so much more to talk about in this movie but we um like we could talk hours <laughs> on this, but we should probably stop because i think <laughs> yeah. that the, i think that the listeners get an idea a pretty good idea of how problematic this movie is on so many different levels if you are thinking of yourself as a feminist or um you know wanting to watch content that uplifts you and women and society as a whole this is not the movie that does that this this is definitely not the movie that does that if you want to watch it and you have some of your favorite actors in there um you know go for it Hugh Grant has never been that charming to me I just think he's just kind of lame and pathetic but um if he's your jam go for it do you have any closing thoughts, <laughs> Darina? <laughs> well, just to bring it up a tiny bit, I did like the relationship between Liam Neeson and his son. Yeah, Max. I found that problematic too, but yeah, okay. I mean, it's not perfect, but there's there's some nice moments in there that that made me give, give the film a five points out of a hundred. <laughs> So what did what did you think about when but even you know when Bill Nye tells him you know we haven't even talked about Bill Nye who's the ex heroic rock star who at the end realizes that he really loves his I think is his manager mm-hmm. oh yeah um and that's the only real meaningful relationship it's the oh, the only meaningful relationship where love is really yeah. talked about is with the lonely old ex heroic to his male manager yep. And it still grosses them out because it's like, oh, is are you gay? Yeah. And then they decide they're going to go watch porn together. Like, let's not forget that. And part. then they're going to watch porn they're together. Gonna go, yeah, because yeah, that's their bond. They're enablers, yeah. and they're just going to go abuse some more women that way. I mean, it's great. It's just it's it, so charming. There's just so <laughs> there's just really nothing <laughs> very redeeming about this movie at all. But let's also uh, like you. Matt, the, I have to tear that apart too, though, because. The relationship between Liam and his son, like he is so stuck in the in in his role of I see that he can he he loves his stepson, but there's still that toxic masculinity that's happening in the relationship. And that comes across when he's talking to him and he starts to cry and says, get a grip. People hate sissies. No one's ever going to shag you if you're crying all the time. I don't know if you remember that, mm-hmm. but that was that wasn't charming for me. That that just felt like more toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Now he's passing it on to his son. Buck up. Don't have feelings. Hide them away and start some addictive behaviors instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go drink into a stupor, take the drugs. Mm-hmm watch porn whatever escape you need because you can't have feelings Mm -hmm. so i found like no redeeming qualities in any of the male characters at all yeah okay so we were going to at the end of our talk we were going (laughs) to give our rating you know like rotten tomatoes has rotten tomatoes and we thought it would be kind of fun to do an rgb descent necklace as (laughs) as our rating system yeah what score so out of zero to 100 what is your rating for this movie 
what score on the descent caller ratings yeah <laughs> i'm gonna give it like eight out of a hundred which is rare like that's so low i can't imagine another film being lower than this <laughs> Uh, honestly like i can't either i would give well i can't actually think of a couple other ones <laughs> but i would give it a five i would give it a five yeah. and yeah because it's just so many so multi-layered with uh yeah. problems so that's it that we just did our first movie <laughs> that was fun and challenging and um we have some fun ones to choose from but if our listeners have any movies they would like us to review please let us know you can um look us up uh if you go to thewomanhouse.com you can contact me there and you can find me on social media if you look up i am my passion project on either instagram or facebook you can look for the post for this episode and you can comment on the post and let us know which movies you are interested in hearing us critique uh movies you'd like us to put that feminist lens on the movie for our next episode is going to be a surprise so until next time thank you for joining us and listening to 50 shades of sexism thanks Darina. this is pretty fun I, i've enjoyed doing this yeah this was a good one after Darina and I recorded this episode talking about Love Actually, I shared it with a friend of mine to kind of just get her take on it. And the feedback that she gave to me was that the content that we were talking about sounded really painful and, and like yucky stuff to her. And we came across as being somewhat angry and that she likes to live more in the solution and not the problem. And so I thought about this and I took this to heart, this feedback, and I decided that you can't come up with solutions without talking about what the problem is. And also, I believe that it makes sense that women would sometimes feel angry about the injustices they face in the world. I also know that anger is a secondary emotion which can sit under other painful emotions like fear and loss, and that when anger is tapped into, it can be a catalyst for transformation, leading to positive changes. That's where the podcast came from, the ashes of anger, of fear and of loss, but also dreaming about the possibilities to step into an amazing place. My friend, you know who you are, who I reached out to always has a good perspective and really helpful advice. Anger validation aside, I did agree with her about the power of focusing on the solution as opposed to just the problem. This perspective aligns well with the theme of this season, which is women redesigning the world as a better and safer place for women. So thanks to my lovely friend, now you will find a list of creative solutions to the sexist pain points we find during our movie review view at the end of each episode. Here's our first list of creative solutions for love actually. So let's start off where Hugh Grant was sexualizing a subordinate co-worker upon just meeting her and his new staff. Immediately, yeah. Immediately, and he came into the office and he hugged a woman and kissed her on the cheek also immediately. And then he also said the comment about who do I have to fuck or something like that to get a cup of tea? Mm -hmm. 
Does he say sleep with or fuck? I don't think he says fuck. I think he says sleep with. Oh, maybe he says, yeah, yeah he said sleep yeah. with. Who do I have to sleep with to get a, a, a mug of tea? And then he also said some something about a perverted uncle. Do you remember? No. <laughs> anyway, so for me, all of this language is just inappropriate for the yeah. setting. Let's ignore the fact that he's supposed to be the prime minister. Even just somebody in an office setting, none of that is appropriate. Yeah. You don't go and hug and kiss somebody on the cheek that you don't know without any kind of permission from them. You don't flirt with staff. And then you don't make crude comments like that, that are, they're like microaggressions and they're just not suitable for the workplace, let alone co-ed spaces Mm -hmm. with women. So my solution would be, let's just cut those out because they're just sexist and i'm sure that there's something else funny that could happen instead maybe he trips on something maybe he has he's goofy and he has some he was eating a hamburger and the way there and he has just sloppy stuff all over his shirt and he doesn't notice it and they find it out or something what are your thoughts what's interesting is that it does illustrate the normalization of everything from the casting couch to we can treat women like objects in the office place like who do I have to sleep with to get a cup of tea it kind of just makes it feel like that was so normal to even think along those lines that you're going to do sexual favors for something and in a work environment like you know that whole thing should have just been left out of the discussion you know if you want to fix anything about this movie it's like don't make fat jokes and don't imply that people have to do sexual favors to get work done right yeah i think a lot of the corrections i would have to this movie would be removing things yeah and then if you have something in there that's inappropriate like that actually have somebody step up and point it out don't just have him be able to make comments like that in an environment like that and everyone just sits around and gives him permission to by not calling him out on it there's all you know there's a lot of stuff to remove i mean i would I would remove the entire character of Colin, the guy who goes to Wisconsin to find girls. Yes. Like that that entire character scenario, scenes, everything can just be removed. He doesn't even seem related to anybody else in the movie. Most people seem to be connected in some way, but that guy is just, it's so superfluous and so offensive. You know, there's lots of stuff that could get shot, but what could be developed more is... Who are these women that they are liking so much in the minimum? You know, like, right. why does the prime minister like Natalie so much? Why does, you know, Alan Rickman love Emma Thompson? There should be a little more something about her. You know, they've obviously been married for a while and we don't know who these women are. None of the women in the, in this entire movie, do we know anything really about them? Who are they? They're women with no power or no say. We know what the men do. And all the men are in positions of power. I feel like one of the situations that could happen to improve this movie is let's cut half the characters and actually do some character development. Because I don't, I didn't care about anyone. Yeah. So another character who at first I thought he could be totally cut. It was the Bill Nighy character, who's the musician, the aging musician 
who is supposed to be sort of this has-been guy who uses one of his old songs and turns it into a Christmas song and then becomes really popular again. I feel like there was potential there to strip away all of the, again, hypersexualized crap that they did with his character and the the video that he did with all of the scantily clad women in the in it and all of that bullshit and used him more as like, I mean, we see all these young women there and then we see Emma Thompson and she's aged out of her marriage. Like, let's talk about Bill Nye. He's aged out. I mean, that's what they're, they're showing. Well, let's, let's explore that some more. What is it like to be a successful man in something? And then you're kind of pushed aside. Interestingly, though, the ones who do kind of, you can see something growing romantically from friendship and from like like-minded experiences are the the two making the porn film <laughs> you know like they're actually becoming friends they're on equal footing they're both extras or stand-ins uh for this porn movie so they're they're the only ones who have kind of an actual dynamic that's on equal footing and that is friendship based or like getting to know you as a human those are the only ones and they're on a porn set but they you know it, it's the only one that you can see like oh yeah they can fall in love because they they're actually getting to know each other you know so but how that could be improved <laughs> is they're not on a porn set there's no reason that they need to be on a porn set there are other ways that could have been funny like yeah like why do they have to be on a porn set they could be in a period picture. Yeah, they could they could be in a period picture or a, like uh, some kind of silly movie set. Or why yeah. does it? Ha- yeah, why does it have to be a porn set so you can like see her boobs? That's exactly why. Take the porn stuff away from that, and they had a cute relationship. So gratuitous nakedness. I mean, that happened with Laura Linney too when she was in bed with the other guy briefly. He was in his underwear, but she, again, was topless. Gratuitous toplessness. Why? You know, for a scene that was like, I don't even know, like a minute long or something. We didn't we didn't need to see that. I didn't need to see that. I get it. I get it. She was going to go. She was going to have sex with this guy. And then she got pulled away because she had to go take care of her brother. Okay. I don't need to see her boobs to get that. It's just ridiculous. I mean, you know, and I get, you know, a corny love movie. I love a corny love story. You know, I love rom-coms, but this one is so beyond ridiculous. So just so much sexism going on here and an unnecessary sexualization. Yeah. Just yeah. like take that all away. Cause I like a good rom-com too. Like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, there are times I want to just pour a nice big glass of wine. I just want to chill mm-hmm. the fuck out and watch something that I don't have to stress out about. Mm-hmm. That's not totally. going to trigger me where it's just like a love you know, story. I love the movies where there's a woman 
this is just my genre of, of romance that I like the woman who she's struggling in the U S and she's like, I just have to get away from everything. And she'll go <laughs> to Europe and have some adventure in Europe where she like starts a, a chocolate store or oh, goes on this, you know, exploring <laughs> the winery and, and meets this handsome person <laughs> yeah. and they start a romance that way, or, you know, something like that. And then there are struggles, but then they, come they work through them and they come back together that's a good rom-com for me i don't need all of this extra mm -hmm. sexism stuff and i actually i'm i'm 53 i love watching movies with people that are my age like that are having a relationship together that's a romance with people my age oh, i don't yeah. need to see a man who's like 50, 60 mm -hmm. years old with a 25 mm -hmm. year old. I don't care about that or even reversed because that's not good either. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I, I like yeah. knowing that there's all different kinds yeah. of love yeah. and that it can happen at any age and that we don't have to stick to this stupid mm -hmm. patriarchal society concept of, older man younger woman and you know have to have like some nudity in there and all of this bullshit like just i i want the real stuff and this wasn't it yeah yeah that's that's why i love you know since we're talking about love actually and it's a christmas movie you know the holiday is my probably my favorite christmas movie and one of my favorite rom-coms because i i kind of pull it out and watch it once in a while again because it's like have you seen that one no I haven't seen that one. So you would you would probably really love it because everybody everybody in there is on equal footing kind of socioeconomically and, and stuff. So it's it's Kate Winslet who's English and she's a she's an editor at a book house, publishing house in England. And then there's Cameron Diaz who's a trailer editor for film, you know, big movie trailer edit, you know, like you know the trailers editor <laughs> in LA you know she's obviously a millionaire Kate Winslet's not quite a millionaire but you know she's got her life so they switch houses for the holiday and and so Kate Winslet's staying in Cameron Diaz's house in LA probably Bel Air and Cameron Diaz is staying in her cottage in the English countryside and meets her brother and there's all these things so you would love this like they they, they travel and they they meet other men and but Kate Winslet, what I, what I love about her is, you know, she's been in this stupid relationship where she is subservient to this guy and he doesn't care about her as much as she cares about him and he's older and and she's she's finding herself that like, you know, she's discovering that she's just been devaluing herself and through a friendship with an old Hollywood writer who lives down the street she starts learning about gumption and these old, you know, movie actresses from the days of yore with, you know, like Barbara Stanwyck and Ida Lupino who have, who have really meaty, great roles back in the day of, of, of really strong women who, who have a lot of gumption. So she finds her gumption and meets Jack Black, who is a colleague of Cameron Diaz's. And so there, that's where the little 
you know, they have a friendship and she starts having feelings for him and then, but he's dating somebody else. And then, you know, and then you, you want, you're rooting for them. So of course it's the, it's the standard rom-com thing. Like, you know, they're going to end up together. You just don't know how yet. You know, it's a delightful movie with, you know, it's just delightful. It's that's so check it out. Okay. So for the listeners who want a a lovely rom-com that's fun and joyful, that's the one. (laughs) Don't watch Love Actually. A better Christmas movie (laughs) for next Christmas. (laughs) Well, I think that that's good enough for now for us to, I think we gave some good solutions that are never going to come to fruition. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If they do a remake, this is, you know, this is your opportunity. Yeah. Do a remake. And yeah. Which yeah. they probably will someday because it's been almost 20 years. It seems yeah. like Hollywood has like no ideas. They're always kind of redoing the stuff that they've done before. So maybe we'll see it in the future. Mm-hmm. And um, it won't. That would be, it cool. Would be cool. Yeah. Greta Gerwig <laughs> directs the remake of Love Actually and rewrites it. That would be cool. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, yeah, that's what we've got. So tune in next time for our review of, we're going to do Barbie. Yep. We're going to do the Barbie movie. So get your pink jumpsuit ready. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Am My Passion Project. Regular episodes drop every Thursday, like biscuits, with bonus episodes sprinkled into the week. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider sharing it with friends or leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I invite you to use Woman House as your muse to help redesign our world as a better and safer place for women. I am my passion project.